My name's Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. Grateful uh, that you're with us. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, which we have called the greatest sermon of all time. So if you're, if you're just catching up with us, that's okay, because you can uh, read Matthew chapter 5 uh, when you get home, and then you're all caught up with where we are today, because we've been teaching right along through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, we're going to go to Matthew 7 uh, in several weeks, but if you've been with us, you know that it's been awesome, and this week we're starting Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can go there with me, Matthew 6, we're going to be in verses 1 through 4 today, and uh, talking about giving, specifically giving to the needy. And Jesus came out of this section at the end of Matthew chapter 5, which for him was not broken up by chapters, right? And so he just flowed straight from this phrase, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And he says that, which we taught last week. And the very next word that he uses, because he's so intimately aware with our humanness, was beware. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. There you go. That's, that's the bullseye. There's the goal. And the very next word, beware. Kaylin and I, my wife, we went on an anniversary trip several years ago and uh, our, the friends that let us use their place let us use it for free and we're excited. They told us it's in the mountains. It's, it's, it's uh, right beside a river that's run down the mountain. It's in the valley, nestled in the mountain. It's beautiful, nice, big yard. Y'all gonna have a great time, a couple days on the weekend. Get away there, just take it. You got the keys. They're under a rock when you get there around the back. It's gonna be great. So we drive up, gate locked at the front door, at the, not at the front uh, drive, actually, before you can get in the driveway. Beware. No trespassing. Okay. So we go to see if the thing is locked because I can't drive past the gate. It's dummy locked. If you know what that is, they make it look like it's locked, but it's not all the way locked so that you can do that. And I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. I mean, beware, no trespassing. The lock's not actually locked. Great. So we drive up. As we're driving up on a tree, beware, no trespassing. Drive up a little further on another tree, beware, no trespassing. Okay. Drive up. Front door, beware, no trespassing. Side window, beware. Side door, beware. Counted nine of those signs. So we heeded the warning and we immediately left and went home and had a time to ourselves at the house with no kids for a couple of days because we were kind of thinking they were trying to tell us something, you know. Beware, no trespassing. Jesus uses the same warning for us today. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, but beware... Beware of practicing your righteousness in a way that's not pleasing to God. Beware of your own desire to be seen. Beware of who you're trying to please. Beware of of where you find your reward. That's what Jesus is teaching us today. Beware. In the last section that we just 
taught through Matthew 5, 21 through 48, Jesus was teaching about the law and he's bringing the law to back to their mind and he's reminding them of what they knew. And then he's saying, but this is what is true. And then now in the first 18 verses of Matthew chapter six, he begins to focus on how to practice the law. This is all about practicing the law that has been given. And and this week, as I said, it's giving. Next week will be prayer. And then the week after that will be fasting. Three very important disciplines of the Christian walk that Jesus unpacks here. These activities, core Christian activities. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, if we analyze the religious life of a man... We find that it can be divided into these three sections and into these three sections only. He went further than I went. He said only. We can define the Christian life only by these three sections. The way I do my giving, the nature of my prayer life and contact with God, my relationship with God through prayer, and the way in which I should mortify the flesh. Fasting, we'll get there in a a couple of weeks, but this this discipline ultimately to mortify the flesh, to mortify our sinful nature, to starve ourselves of the world and be filled with God, be filled with the Holy Spirit. These three things are what we're about to study, and today we're, we're taking it one at a time. Today is giving, but, but I don't want to miss the point too much of what Jesus is teaching here because the ultimate I think the ultimate choice for us is presented here today in terms of our Christian walk and and what we, at every choice, at every turn, at every fork in the road, we have this choice if you boil it down. And that choice is between pleasing self and pleasing God. Pleasing self and pleasing God. So let's read the text here together. Matthew chapter 6. Verse one, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order so that you may be seen by them. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. If that's your motive, beware, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. No reward. Thus, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Why do they sound the trumpets to show the people that are come that they're coming and they're going to do these righteous things because they wanted to be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, Christian, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret. Remember, he sees it all. He sees in secret and he will reward you. So we're at a fork in the road Uh, every day. We're come to these forks, constant forks in the road. Are we going to please ourselves, or are we going to please God? And, and what lies beneath the surface of this text and this teaching on, on our giving 
to the poor, giving to the needy, is it, what lies underneath that is our relationship to God. It's, it's, it's all underneath this, that, that how do we relate? How do we perceive what he's done for us and what he's called us to do? And if Jesus is our model, and he is, then we should pay close attention to his own life in this area. Jesus lived entirely for his father. Say that again. Jesus lived entirely for his father. That means he did not live for himself. The son of God did not live for himself. He lived for his father. Look at John 12, 49. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Jesus said, I don't even speak of my own authority. I speak of his authority, the one who sent me, my heavenly father. In John 8, 50, he said, I don't seek my own glory. Jesus didn't seek his own glory. He did nothing for himself. There was a complete absence of self-exaltation in the life of Jesus. When he was on this earth, there, there, was, there was none of this, look at me. Philippians 2, this is my favorite part of the whole Bible. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. I don't have a tattoo. This would be the tattoo. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. I don't know. Maybe not. It's really long. I don't know where I'd put it. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, remember, he's our model. This is why we're reading this. Any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, Paul says, by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Look at this. This is it. Verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We can look at Jesus and we can see the model. So have this mind, which is yours in him, who, though he was in the form of God from the beginning, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself emptied himself. He, it wasn't about him. He emptied himself. It was about the father who sent him. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. God humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on a cross. Obedient to what? Obedient to his father in heaven who sent him for a purpose. And this was the purpose. And therefore, because he accomplished, because he accomplished the war on sin and death and hell, it was finished because of his atoning work on the cross. And because of that, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every knee and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God because he is equal. Because there is the, the Trinitarian relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons. He didn't count it 
a thing to be grasped and held onto for himself, but he was obedient and he went all the way to the cross and all the way through the cross because he knew that he was the only one who could annihilate sin. But before that, before that, he knew that God had sent him for that task and it was for his glory, ultimately, his glory. So Christ did die for you, yes, but before that, he died for God's glory. And this is what we know. This is what we believe. This is what we have to look at and model our lives after. If Jesus lived entirely for his father, so should we. And then we should leave the rewarding up to him. He will reward. He will reward. He, in fact, did bestow the greatest name, the highest name of all names on Jesus. And we can have his righteousness imputed so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. This is salvation. This is the most important thing about your life is where you stand with God. And the only way to have right standing with God is by and through the person and work of Jesus, by faith in that person and that work. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen. So again, Jesus cuts to the heart of the matter because I love this quote by my man, Marcus Donaldson, who's not in the room, I do not think. However, it's a great quote, so I'll bring, there he is, my man. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And that's the first time I've said the quote correctly in my whole career, which is amazing. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. That's why Jesus says, look, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people so that you may be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. You can deceive men, but you cannot deceive God. We are always in the presence of God. We're never out of his sight. He sees, he is ever present and he sees it all. We can't hide from that. He knows your heart even when other people can't see it. He knows your intentions. So he digs to the intention level here. I Beware if you're practicing these righteous things which are good from an ill intent. Beware if you're doing it for the wrong reason. Reasons. This is what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Luke 16, verse 15. He said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. We can be doing the exact right thing in the exact wrong way. And it's not only a little bit bad, it's an abomination to God. If we're doing it to seek the applause of men, if we're doing it to please ourselves by receiving applause, of, uh, applause from men, we will receive our reward in that applause. To, to announce so, so to announce our charity and our service and our benevolence, this is where it hits home because it's like, whoa, man, maybe I've been doing this wrong. To announce it, to announce it before people in order to receive praise from them. This is such a subtle thing, such a dangerous game to play. Because we can, we can be doing the right thing 
but we can let our pride and our ego and our need for approval contaminate it entirely. Oh, here, you, you need, you need this gift. Okay. Here's this gift. And then after you gave the gift, you go and tell somebody, I, I just gave them what they needed. And you say, but I don't want anybody to know. And then you go to the next person and you say, I just gave them what they needed, but I don't want anybody to know. I don't want you to tell anybody. And then you go to the next person and you say, but I don't want anybody to know that I just did that for them. And, and by the end of it, you've, you've told six people that you don't want anybody to know. And so six more people knew than you wanted anybody to know. You see how subtle that is? Oh, no, no, I don't want any, I don't want anybody to know. We have to be careful. We have to be careful because our heart is deceitful. And, and even, even just a little bit, just a sprinkle can ruin the whole loaf. We had a hundred people come to Christ. This is what you hear a lot around church. We just went to this event. We just had this. If you grew up in, in a Baptist context like me, we just had this revival and a hundred people got saved. We just said, you should have seen the move of God. Praise God. Praise God. We had this many people saved. But, but I wonder if we were honest and we really asked ourselves, are we entirely praising God by announcing that to people? Like, are, are, is that really our motive or do we kind of want them to know that we did a great thing? And Jesus said, be careful. No, <laughs> he didn't say be careful. He said, beware. Beware, because why? Your reward will be in their applause and no further. You will have no reward from me. So what's the answer? How do we, how do we, how do we mortify this desire in our flesh? How do we, how do we pay attention to, to what our heart is leading us to? How do we make sure that these subtle little ego things are crucified and put away? Jesus says in verse three, right here in our text, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So, so to verse one, don't announce it to anybody else. Verse one and two, don't announce it to anybody else. And then verse three, don't even announce it to yourself. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, not sure how to do that. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's kind of a tough one, Jesus. Here's what he's teaching. Move on. Move on. Do it because just what Marcus said earlier. We give because he's worthy. We give because he is so freely given to us. That's exactly right. We do these things out of an overflow of a heart that's been transformed. And we're just generous because we've been generously given to. We're generous because we're grateful of what's happened. And we just do it and we do it and then we move on. And we don't keep a ledger and we don't ask for a receipt and we just move on. Don't let your right hand, your, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't dwell there pridefully. Don't keep a note of it. Pride is a dangerous thing to be flirted with because we are unconsciously, we, we can unconsciously nurture our pride Every day, with every decision, even unconsciously, you can be nurturing this beast inside of you. So just move on. Just forget it. Don't do it. Dismiss it. You, because your reward will come. 
Imagine a total dependence on your father as your provider that just does and gives and moves on, knowing that we don't have to keep a receipt and bring it back to God and say, I need a reimbursement. He's not a reimbursement God. He's an overflow. He's a generous. He, he's, a, he's a constantly pour out manifold riches of love and joy and peace. He pours out more than you need and he gives you exactly what you need. And you're asking for this with these material things. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you what you need so that even when the material things fall away, you have more than you could ever imagine. He is immeasurably more. He is the God of the immeasurably more than you could ask, think, or imagine according to his power that's at work within you. And we're taking reimbursement forms, itemized, just to make sure that we get our due. Jesus said, beware. Last quote from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. I could have had six of them today, but I just want to give you this last one. We shall never get rid of self by concentrating on self. The only hope is to be so consumed by love that we have no time to think about ourselves. We we shall never get rid of self by concentrating on self. Amen. (laughs) The only hope is to be so consumed by love that we have no time to think about ourselves and God is love and you can be consumed by him because he sends his Holy Spirit to all who have faith in Jesus. You can be consumed by love and this is our hope. Don't keep a record. God does the record keeping. Leave the rewarding up to him and for those of you who are type A, trick your type A minds and move on. Verse two, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward as the hypocrites do walking around with their tiny trumpets. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. This is so dangerous, but this is also so real for us today. The word hypocrite is the same word used for Greek actors who wore masks. Jesus is employing the same word that they would have known well that the Greeks used for their actors in masks. And he says, if you're doing this to be noticed by other men, if you're doing this to be praised by others, you're just like them. You're just like the Greek actors. And you're just like these hypocrites who come in and they make religion a play and a performance in its theatrical righteousness. It's only on the surface in order to receive the applause. And yeah, they're going to receive the applause, but that's where they're going to, that's where their reward is going to stop. Augustine said this, the love of honor, the love of accolades, the love of approval, the love of others saying that you are great and what you've done is great is the deadly bane of true holiness. 
other vices bring forth evil works, but this vice brings forth good works in an evil way. And thus it is most dangerous. We don't flirt with pride. We don't nurture pride. In fact, we even go so far as to crucify it so that when we're unconsciously prideful, it's not there. Seeking men's blessings forfeits God's blessings. This is the teaching of Jesus here. If your reward is in men's blessings, your reward will not be in God's blessings. This is hard reality. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Look at verse 43. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And if we're honest today, if we're all honest, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, 10 days, 10 years, 10 centuries, no. <laughs> 10 decades, maybe, no. Eight, de- nine, de- eight decades? No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, this is a warning for you today. To not love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. This is not only dangerous, this is this is a contaminating force that will lead you to the deepest darkest part of this life. That's why Jesus takes it so seriously, this hypocrisy. He doesn't take it lightly. And I believe it's because hypocrisy undermines the church's power. Hypocrisy leaves us powerless because we're all focused on these outward things that we're putting out to the world rather than our relationship with God. Rather than him being our rewarder, him being our provider, we go and put on a show so that we can receive now. And it undermines the church of its power. John Stott said this in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. Hypocrisy is hideous. What cancer is to the body, hypocrisy is to the church. It is a killing agent. Unfortunately, also... Hypocrisy is addictive. And even though Jesus reserved his most severe words of condemnation for the hypocrite, we still seem to prefer that lifestyle over truth and authenticity. You know, in in New Testament times, they had what was called professional mourners. These people that were paid to go and mourn at funerals and other sad events. Professional mourners. They would go in and they would weep and they would wail and they would tear their garments. And it was even said that the really good pros, you know, the really good professional mourners figured out a way to tear their garment down the seam so that it was easier to sew it up so that when they go to the next mourning event, they could sew it easily before they get there and tear it in the same spot professional mourners. Both the people who hired the mourners and the pros themselves were hypocrites, putting on a show, making it all about the theater, the surface, theatrical righteousness. What does God say about that? 
He has a lot to say about that. Just, to, just two, in particular, Old Testament passages for us today. Amos chapter 5, verse 21. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Wait, but God, you told us to do that. You told us to do that. Verse 23, take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. Do away with it. Take it away. But let justice roll down like waters. But let justice roll down like waters. Let righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God, God prescribed these offerings of worship. God prescribed these practices of their religion. Why, God, are you being so harsh? I thought we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. And he says, no, get it out from my presence because your religion is for you and not for me. This is the fork in the road. Are we choosing to gratify ourselves, or are we choosing to gratify God? And we can see it clearly if we really look under the surface. Why are you doing these things? He said, let justice, let justice roll down like waters. Let righteousness flow down like an ever flowing stream. How does that happen? It happens when your heart has been transformed and you focus on this relationship with God and you do what he's telling you to do and you obey his commands and just overflow it. And you don't keep a record of what you're doing and you leave the rewarding up to him. Look at Isaiah chapter one, a similar text. We're going we're gonna to pick it up. This is an amazing chapter of Scripture, but let's pick it up in verse 11. In Isaiah chapter 1. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? <laughs> I heard you counting them. I know you've, you think there's a lot. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of your burnt offerings, I've had enough of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts, even the well-fed beasts. I've had enough. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or, the lamb, or lambs or of goats. I don't delight in that. But we've been doing this because you told us to do this. You're missing the point, he said. I don't delight in that. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain. Here's a window. Bring no more vain offerings. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. 
Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes. Where does that evil begin? It begins in the heart. Remove your evil deeds before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Praise God. You know, you get to these verses, you're like, praise God, there's somewhere to reason together with him because he is terrifying and he should be because he's holy and he's righteous and he's perfect and he's he's outside of us but he still comes to reason though your sins are like scarlet they shall be as white as snow come now let's reason together this is possible though your sin Your sins are like scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson. Sorry about it, roll tide. But though your sins are red like Clemson, they shall become like wool. I'm not comparing your sin to to Alabama, I promise. Let me just take a second here. It's not what I meant to do. Go dogs. (laughs) Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient... You shall eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Jesus teaches, but when you give to the needy, verse 3, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that, verse 4, your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. The original word here, forgive, is talking about the giving of money and food and clothing to those who need it. So I've heard a lot of preachers try to make this about tithing and offerings to the church. I don't think that's wrong, but I've, in my studying, decided not to focus there because I don't think that's Jesus's focus here. I think he's talking more broadly. He's talking about giving generally to the poor, to the needy. Yes, money. Yes, also food and clothing and 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 meeting needs around you and overflowing with generosity. He says, but when you give. He didn't say if you give because there's this assumption of expectation. Like it's going to happen, child of God. It's going to happen, son or daughter. It's going to happen. Remember, we are to be as we are becoming. We are, we are to, because we are becoming what we will finally be when we see him as he is. So be a son, be a daughter. And when you are a son, when you are a daughter, you will overflow with generosity to those around you. So Jesus said, when you give, don't do it like the hypocrites. So here's a question. Here's a challenging question as we get ready to close today. Would you do what you do in service to others if no one else knew? what you were doing. 
Would you still be as charitable if nobody saw it? We have to check our motives. We have to check our intentions. Jesus is leaving no stone unturned, if you will. In the Jewish temple, tradition tells us that there was a, there was a, a separate special place out of the way where shy, humble Jews could come and leave their offerings without being noticed. And nearby that place, there was a place for those that, that were needy, but were also shy and didn't want people to see their need to come and, and ask for help and get help that others who were doing it in secret had already provided. They would come and they would take what they needed in secret. And the name of that place, they called it the Chamber of the Silent. The Chamber of the Silent. People gave and people received help, but no one knew the identities of the other. The truest form of anonymous giving. The chamber of the silent, and that just wrecked me this week. That wrecked me because I'm thinking about the, my own giving, my own my own giving to the needy, and the way that I bring what God has given me on behalf of another. And would I do it in the chamber of the silent? Or is there any speck of pride in me that would? cause me to want to give it in front of people. So then I ask this question, is this text contradicting the earlier teaching that we've already taught from the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to let our light shine before men so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven? The answer is no. It's not contradictory to that. Here's what I want to end on today for our time together. We are called to do both Matthew 5.14 that I just quoted and Matthew 6 verse 4, which we've been learning today. Give in secret so that your Father in heaven who sees in secret will reward you. We're to do both Matthew 5, 14 and Matthew 6, 4 at the same time. We're to live in such a way that when others watch us, they see the way we live and glorify God. And at the same time, we are not to do things in order to attract attention from anyone. And this is a tightrope. It's like, it's a careful balance. Sometimes it feels very much like a tightrope suspended a thousand feet. It's a careful balance. How can we maintain this balance? How can we maintain this balance of, of letting our light shine, but also not doing things so that others will see it? How can we, because we must ruthlessly eliminate our desire to be seen. And if I'm honest with you today, this is a, this is a, a deep problem 
that I have to pay attention to. And it's almost like the more I pay attention to it and the more I defeat it, the deeper I find it. You know, it's like, oh, it's so deep in there. My pride, my ego, I got to crucify it constantly. Don't let your flesh win today. Don't let your heart lead you astray today. It's deeper and deeper and deeper. But the Holy Spirit's helping me to remove it and, and crucify it. We have to be ruthless with this elimination of our desire to be seen, our desire for approval, our desire for accolades. So how do we walk this tightrope? How do we maintain this balance? I'm going to give you two things as we close. How do you maintain this balance? You walk by the spirit and you remember the gospel. You walk by the Spirit, and the Spirit will help you balance it. And you remember the gospel. You constantly remind yourself of the gospel. What is the gospel? Here's a summary from Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. But... God, because it starts with him. Yes, it started with your sin in your lifetime, but it all started with him and his righteous plan and his plan for justice and reconciliation. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love, because of the great love with which he loved us, because he loved you first, even when we were dead in our trespasses, and sins. God made us alive together with Christ. For, look at verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Do not forget that it is not your own doing. Remember that it is a gift. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. You may have a long list of receipts of what you're proud of doing. That's not going to help you to be saved and reconciled to God because it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship created <laughs> Reborn, created. All things were created for him, to him, through him, in him. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for. Why? Why were you created in Christ Jesus for good works? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Remember the gospel, walk by the spirit and be far sighted, be far sighted, forget about what this, I love this, <clears throat> forget about what's right in front of you and be far sighted. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond anything that we can imagine. Be farsighted 
Some of you are farsighted and you have to have prescription to help that so that you can see things right in front of you. I think Jesus is teaching us here, don't let your right hand or don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just forget about all this that's immediately here and get your eyes to heaven. Get your eyes to eternity. Be farsighted. Just look up and look out and don't Pay attention to all this down here because the temptation for us is to let this fuel us, to let this gratify us. And the only thing about this that's going to gratify us is what's there in heaven because it's only because of God and by his power and for his glory that all this is working together. So we can be proud and happy and glad, proud's a hard word, but we can do it when it's for his glory and we can put all of the attention on him down here and that's a good thing, but it takes a far-sighted person to do that. So walk by the spirit, remember the gospel and be far-sighted because your reward is in heaven. There's no reward from God for those who seek their reward from men. Sons and daughters, be sons and daughters. Give generously and keep no record of it and leave the rewarding up to God. Father God in heaven, I ask now that you help us to understand what you're saying to us through your word. That as we come closer to your word and your truth and we come closer to your holiness. God, I pray that you help us to be shaped by it, that you would shine on us so brightly that when we reflect out to the world, they would not have any choice but to ask, what is that? Surely that can't come from a person. And I pray that we would say, It doesn't come from a person. It comes from our Heavenly Father. And I pray that we would totally and completely lean on you for our reward. So God, help us tonight and help us this morning to remember that in you we have all that we need. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.